0: Welcome to Confessions of a CEO. This is the show where I'll be taking you behind the laptops and lives of some of the best and brightest female minds in the online business game. The frank, funny, and inspiring chats that we have behind closed doors are about to be revealed. This is the secret sauce that you need to hear that's going to help you and blow your mind at the same time. No fluff, just all of the honest, good stuff. I'm your host, Mel Moore. I'm a CEO, embodiment, and business coach for female online entrepreneurs. And I'm also the founder of a boutique a virtual assistant agency. I'm so excited you're here. Let's dive into today's episode. So last week I talked to you about my journey, about becoming a VA in that first year um, and how I kind of ended up here, shall we say, and where I came from. And this time I kind of want to take you through the first year and the bunch of mistakes that I made in the first year. And the advice that I would have for myself if I was starting out all over again. Um, So a lot of nuggets here of advice for you to take if you're in your first year of business as well. And basically how I got started is I had met all these digital nomads who are incredible. And they started saying, why don't I become a virtual assistant? Because at that time, I was doing the uh, executive assistant role again, super easy, super well paid, loving it, taking my sabbatical. And then this whole virtual assistant world opened up. And I cannot believe I didn't know anything about it before I started not a beam. So everyone was saying, Oh, yeah, be a virtual assistant is easy. And I was like, well, damn, I'm really good at being an EA, so this has got to be easy, right? And bear in mind, there was a, such a level of naivety. I had no idea that there were coaches or courses or programs on how to be a VA. I was so outside of that world. I just was like, I'll go into Facebook groups and I'll find a client and then I'll do all the things. So, real kamikaze start, zero guidance, somehow managed to get my first client. I think I used to sit in a cafe opposite a co working space. Because I couldn't afford the co-working space, hilariously enough. My friend had joined and then was part of their Facebook group. So all the, I'm looking for this type of person, a graphic designer, a VA, would come up on the Facebook group and then he'd tell me about it. Tell me who posted it. I would find them on Facebook and send them a DM. That was how I got my first client. I did not know what to charge. So my number one point is don't you dare dream of charging 15 pounds an hour when you start. I had no idea how low that was. I just thought, oh, it doesn't matter, right? I'm starting from ground zero. What I didn't realize was the level of experience I was bringing forward into this. Like I could, I was gay. I was basically a 40 grand a year EA. So I'm not a newbie. I'm not starting at ground zero, but also I have the depth of experience of my working life before then. Hmm. Anyway, imposter syndrome, new to business. We all have that. So I started out super low. And what I want to say to you or myself, if I was starting all over again, is please charge at least £25 an hour if you're fresh into the industry. Otherwise, you're going to end up frazzled because you'll be working so many hours for peanuts if you're doing it £15 an hour, £20 an hour, because you get capped on the time that you can work and the money that you can bring in really quickly. But also, side note, did you know what the average um, pounds per hour is for a starter VA in the UK? And it's actually now about twenty five to thirty pounds an hour is the average for a VA. so that's taking into account really experienced ones to ground zero newbies. twenty five to thirty pounds an hour you can charge your clients. And if you've been around for a year or two, you can go ahead and slide right into the thirty to forty pounds an hour bracket. Please go and get that cash that you rightly deserve. Um, and you can also expect to earn around twenty to twenty five pounds an hour, sometimes more as an associate VA, depending on your experience and what the lead VA is charging out to her client. So what is an associate? That is a VA that is hired by a lead VA to help that lead VA with her clients and her workload. Sometimes the associate will communicate directly with her clients, with her lead VA's clients, and sometimes just with the lead VA. So That lead VA has done all the marketing and the business development to get you the client that's landed. Sometimes she gets too many leads and she cannot hold capacity for another client. So she brings in an associate to sub out the work. It's really, really good to do. And also all you have to do is an associate, show up and serve, right? So if you're really scared of marketing and things like that and you really want to get some experience, it's such a good confidence builder and experience Experience, experience. Yeah. So that's what an associate is. And that kind of average, as I said, 20 to 25 pounds an hour, sometimes 18. But you know, if you're doing okay, you can get about 20 to 25. So I should have been an associate VA, maybe to get an idea of how the business model works as an online virtual assistant. So i taken on a few clients that really were a little sketchy. Um, we showed up late for appointments, uh, just didn't pay on time, didn't get their work to me. Like they created this block and this silo for me to get work done. I'd be like, doing all the things, panic, like run through the hours, do the things when they need it. And then they would just not get back to me with approval. So I couldn't do any more work. And I'd be like, wait, how many hours am I going to do this month? Anyway, we'll come back to you planning your time efficiently. Another thing that I would say, point two, things I would do differently or really advocate for you to listen to is your gut. If you get a weird vibe on a discovery call, like a sales call, really listen, really, really listen. We're very intuitive humans. And as women women also, we're very intuitive. So if a client talks over you, tries to negotiate your rate, walk, mm, no, run, run in the other direction. You will know that inner voice when you hear it. It's a funny feeling in your belly or a tightness somewhere in your body. And trust me, when I say it is always right, these are signs of a nightmare client. So champagne dreams, beer budgets, talking over you, like trying to negotiate your rates, th- maybe throwing in there that they can get someone for $10 an hour on Upwork or Fiverr. Good. Send them that way. That's okay. That's not your person because how people treat you when they first meet you is how they will always continue to treat you. So yeah, wave goodbye to the folks that give you those disrespectful vibes, micromanaging vibes, higher than thou vibes, and just keep it moving. The Right clients will land. Please, please, please save your sanity. I've ignored plenty of these bad vibes way too often in the early days. And it was a very painful experience. And it was even harder to extricate myself when they became mm, verbally abusive, money withholding, a-holes. So yeah, read the signs. They're usually there. And trust your instincts. And even when you really feel like you need the cash, a bad client will suck your life force. And that has a knock-on effect on your sanity, your ability to show up for the rest of your business. So prioritize your mind, your well-being, and keep those boundaries high. And yes, I've definitely had many nightmare clients. Um, so my boundaries have gotten better and I trust those instincts. And also one of the my favorite things to do pre-a discovery call is to have a simple question on my like even if it's Calendly, my scheduler is to say like, what three things can we help you with or lift off your plate? So for me, I don't do social media. None of my VAs do social media. We're just admin and organization and lifestyle. So if they put social media, I can cancel the discovery call and simply respond and say, I don't think that we're the right fit. I can put you in the right direction for someone, but we don't do social media. So also, you know, guards your capacity. Um, the third thing I would say is you are not saving lives, my darling human, you are not saving lives. Nothing, nothing is life or death emergency. Nothing. And you know, we might all fuck up, but it's how we respond to it and take accountability and fix it that matters. Um you will be okay, but just don't jump when a client asks. It's one of the biggest things that I did badly in the beginning is I, I had that employee mentality where I was, like, I was given a task, I've got to do it now, I've got to do it now, I've got to do it now. And I was jumping from client to client at speed because I thought that efficiency meant I was over delivering and doing really well for my clients. What I now teach and have learned and teach my team and my clients is wait and don't respond straight away. You are not being paid full time hours. You are not being paid to be at someone's beck and call. You also have to balance other workload. So the people pleaser on us will want to respond. But the best thing we can do is step back you don't have to respond for an hour or more or put it on the afternoons task list. So just be really mindful of that. And the reforming people plays a high. So I know these things very well. Um, and that's another form of a boundary. And the fourth point that I would do differently or teach to remember is you do not have to offer everything, everything in the kitchen sink to your clients. You will spread your brain capacity so thin, play into your weaknesses and not your strengths, and well, let's just put it this way, Double, doubling down on what you know how to do versus what you don't will save you feelings of sheer panic when a client asks you to do something that's outside of your knowledge. Like we all have things to learn. We can Google and we can YouTube. But as I said, like if you're, if you're a specialist in social media and someone's like, can you manage my Outlook inbox? And you're like, oh, that sounds horrendous. No, thank you. Or do you know how to set up this CRM system? And you're like, no, I don't. It's okay to say you don't. If it's something you think you can get your head around quite quickly, cool. If you think it's going to be useful to learn for you and yourself and other clients, cool. But don't be out there offering everything. Not when you've been around for about a year. You want to get to a point where you maybe don't do admin and social media. You maybe just do admin or you maybe just do social media or, you know, you start to begin to specialize in something because then you're playing into your strengths and not your weaknesses. And it's going to give you a bit more ease in your business. And it's also going to give your clients a better service. So yeah, I did a lot of stuff that I should not have done, but I thought, Hey, it's cash, right? No, don't do it. Number five, don't invest. It's a little controversial. Don't invest in how to become a VA generalist stuff. I say this as someone who has launched a course called the launch club. So here's what I know to be true. Some basics you will need very, very, very early on, but as you go, maybe through the first year of your business, Don't invest in the journalist stuff. Instead, find a really great coach, course, program that teaches you how to be great at sales and marketing and messaging. Because this is the lifeblood of your business. It will be much more worthwhile investing in this in the long run. This is the skill that is the absolute most potent and important thing that you can learn how to do in your business. If you can speak about it, speak about the transformation. If you can get comfortable with your messaging and your marketing, so you know exactly what your sales process is, how to call in clients, how to talk about your services in a way that magnetize people to you, the rest you can Google and figure out. You need to know how to do these things. So that's my fundamental thing that I had no idea, absolutely no idea until I met my gorgeous work wife, Abby. Shout out. She taught me a whole chunk in the beginning about marketing that I just was not aware of. And looking back, that would be something that I would definitely do differently. Six. Oh, God, I remember writing this and I was like, this is going to be a tough one to say. Don't hire your friends. Whew, yep. Don't hire people who do not intend to be in the online space in the same way that you do for the same amount of time you do. So what I mean is, for example... If you are a VA, with me, who suddenly in the beginning had an influx of clients and you think to yourself, oh, let me get an associate so that I don't leave money on the table and I can scoop up the work, even though I'm booked in capacity. I've heard getting an associate is a great idea and I can serve all these clients. Don't do what I did. Don't make that first hire a friend who just wants to top up her income for a few months because there's no, she doesn't see this world the same way as you do. She's not in it for the long term. So ultimately at some point, if you're putting her on a client account, going to have to take her off if she decides to leave. But what happened with me is after six months, she sadly couldn't be asked and started giving me attitude. Not every experience is like this. Please, I caveat that for the love of God with not everybody's like this, but she had different goals to what I did, different ways of doing things. And they slowly came out in the wash and it was not looking good. So giving me attitude, she was hiding. There's a lack of transparency and communication about what she was actually doing for the client. I also did not know how to be a manager at this point. No one does. We have to learn this skill, right? But it's learnable and it's doable. So I had no real eyeballs on what she was doing. And I later found out the work she was doing was actually above her pay grades because she was way overqualified to be a VA, right? But I was like, and I told her that in the beginning, and she was like, it doesn't matter. I just want the cash. And you go, okay, that's fine. So we're talking, she was delivering OBM, online business manager level consultancy strategy style work, plus the VA implementation. So I'm basically charging a client VA services, OBM. She's get, He's getting OBM work for VA services. So when I went to let her go and make the client aware that I was changing the team member for him, all shit hit the fan. Um, and he did not then want to take a VA who was just a VA, who was not doing OBM stuff for him anymore. Obviously, clusterfuck, absolute clusterfuck. So, uh, eventually, <laughs> due to lacking proper contracts, which comes to my next point, I had to settle for an insulting one off sum for the client and the associate to walk off into the sunset together. And you can bet your ass I unclouded my contracts after that. But it was such a huge learning curve. One, don't hire your friends, B, learn how to be a manager have SOPs, have ways of working. All of these things get developed over time, right? But these are the things that I teach my clients now. If we're going to make any hires in their team, I teach them how to do it. Which brings me to contracts, point seven. Contracts, 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 contracts. I truly don't care if you have to scrimp and save to invest in these from day one. But please, for the love of all things good and proper, this should be something that you invest in first, first. I will rant, rave and die on this hill. It will save your ass save it, save it, save it. Because let me tell you, when I started out and I had a zero clue about how it all works, I cobbled together some sort of cut and paste stuff on Google. I know, I die inside just hearing myself say that I Googled contracts and cobbled one together myself. Ridiculous. I thought I was being clever saving money because I, hey, I'm an ex-legal secretary. No, just terrible idea. Do you know how much that mistake cost me? <laughs> Thousands. Thousands. When one of my first clients, a really rather tricky little, little client, ghosted me, dodged my invoice for work that I had already done, and then tried to tell me my work was worthless and she would be better serve by a £5 an hour VA off Upwork, I had no leg to stand on. No to wave in her face telling her that she was legally obligated to pay me, that she hadn't raised concerns, that this was not a reason for terminate. I had no leg to stand on. So even if it costs you one, two, three hundred pounds, get a contract please get a service provider contract ask me I can point you in the right direction and that brings me to number eight getting paid in advance because as you can tell from the above point I was working the month and then getting my invoice in for work I'd already done so I was working ad hoc I didn't have minimums and I wasn't being paid in advance now You need to get paid in advance and need to not roll your hours over if you're a virtual assistant. Because, oh my goodness, if uh, you have been a coachee or come through one of my courses or heard me bang about this on Instagram, this is one of the things I preach to my VAs and service providers. Get your ass paid before the work is done. It's standard practice in this industry, in case anyone questions you for it. It is standard practice. Less risk to you that someone takes your work and refuses to pay you. More ability to pause work if the payment in advance is slow to land. Less time wasted. Like if anyone's ever seven days late on an invoice, my team down tools and the client goes, oh shit, sorry, forgot about that, paid. So we avoid problems. Setting a minimum package is another thing. So let's go for this is point nine. Set a minimum package if you are a virtual assistant and then have them come in at that, even if it's only 10 hours. You can then predict your income, your capacity, and it is a million times easier to grow your business when you're not working ad hoc hours every single month and billing at the end. I did this to begin with, as I said, and I was completely freaking frazzled. So these are just a few of the mistakes I've made and the things that I would do differently if I were to start over as a virtual assistant or a service provider and I've walked through all of these and these are things I would love you to avoid so I really hope that this helps and there'll be more of this coming up as the podcast continues um, but as ever let me know if this was useful pop me a dm on instagram at mel biz coach and don't forget listen to the outro for how to apply for my one-to-one coaching scholarship this spring where I am giving someone the chance to work with me um, who is struggling in need of this and cannot afford the full whack. So go to the show notes to find out how to apply for that. And I cannot wait to read your application. Otherwise, if there's anything that you want me to cover on this podcast in future solo episodes or interview guests, please come on over to Instagram, say hello, drop me a DM. I'd love to have a conversation about all of this. And if it was useful, again, just let me know. Um, I really, really appreciate you listening and tuning in. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful you hit play. And if you liked what you heard, please leave a review, especially on Apple and hit subscribe. So you never miss a new episode. If you love this and think someone else would too, then don't be shy, share it with them. Let's inspire even more women. And every year I will be offering one woman, a coaching scholarship and the time is now. So if you think you know someone who would benefit from three months of one to one business coaching with me, head to the show notes and you'll find all the details and the link to apply. Good luck.